0: Uh, I'm excited about the Word this morning. Again, so, so good to see some new faces with us. I'm so glad you're joining us. I know some of you are out of town and all that. But um, we are today going to be gathering around Jeremiah. I'm not wasting a lot of time this morning talking about a whole bunch of stuff because I want to get into the Word. Um, I have been chewing on this Word for uh, quite some time. I've, I've really been sitting on this particular passage in Jeremiah for a long, long time, for I'd say a few years. But interesting enough, over the last few days, as I was thinking about this morning, um, there's just been so much that I've been seeing in this passage that I wanted to share with us this morning that I truly believe will bless us all. I think there's something in here for all of us. I think that there's great encouragement for every single person in these words. Um, many of you will know the, the main scripture, um, Jeremiah 29 11, But really, um, as you look to the scripture and you I do some background, you realize that the famous passage, which is right up there with John 3:16, Jeremiah 29 verse 11, is good. But my Lord, when you look at everything else in context, you realize that really the gold in that passage isn't even found in that verse. It's found in what comes before it and what comes after it. So we're going to be Diving into and looking into the story of Jeremiah uh, twenty-nine, we're going to be reading from verse four to verse fourteen. Don't put it up on the screens yet, because I want to give you a bit of context as to how we got here. Because again, the general misconception when people read Jeremiah twenty-nine, verse eleven, and, and let's see, let's see your Bible knowledge here this morning, Brittany. I got nervous. Yes. <laughs> let's see your Bible knowledge. It says this. For I know. Th- oh, I almost fell off the stage. Lord Jesus. I was going to see him quicker than I imagined. Um, but for I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord, plans to, and my God, to give you and a future. They are thoughts on of evil. My Lord, that was pretty pathetic. <laughs> uh, I'll blame it on this. as about three different versions that people know of that scripture. Some of them say not plans, but some of them say, I know the thoughts I think toward you. And some other versions don't talk about hope in the future, but they talk about, I will bring you to an expected end. And that's the title of this morning's message. There it is, Lonnie, in case you're wondering. It is this. I wanna talk this morning on an expected end. God will bring you to an expected end. But before we get into this passage, The real, um, I want to give you some backdrop because the misconception of this passage, you hear it, this great passage, I have plans for you, plans out of evil, but plans of peace and to prosper you, to bring you. We think that passage is spoken to people who are on the mountaintop. We often can think that passage is this, oh, I'll hold on to that because that's a great passage and it was spoken to people at the pinnacle of their faith, at the height of the glory of God and they've experienced this Elysium, they're experiencing this glory of God, everything's great, you know, it's easy to worship, it's easy to praise, but the reality is when you look at the context and the history, you realize that this passage is coming to a group of believers who are in exile. What has happened is, is that again, as is true to nature, the Israelites have been disobedient. The Israelites have again not heeded the warnings of the prophets. The Israelites have found themselves on the wrong side of that which God has called them to. And they have found themselves now in exile in Babylon, away from Jerusalem, away from home, away from the temple, away from some, some separated from family, they are in what many would call the wilderness, exile in Babylon under King Nebuchadnezzar. And it is, it is a brutal conditions in Babylon. It is a town, a city, a region of the world that has, that worships multiple gods. The the people are opposed to the God of the Bible, the God that you and I worship. So they have come into hostile territory. They find themselves Abandoned, They found themselves strangers in a foreign land. They found themselves separated from the temple, separated from Jerusalem, separated from home, separated from that which they had always known to be the place where God would dwell. And what's also worse about this particular, because again, if you know a little bit of your history with Israelites, it's not the first time they've found themselves on the wrong side of God. It's not the first time they've been disobedient. It's not the first time that they have, uh, again, worshiped other idols. But what happens here is different than what has happened before. They have not yet experienced what has transpired as they've been taken captive by Nebuchadnezzar and sent to Babylon. Because every other time the people of God were disobedient, there was some sort of punishment. There was some sort of, you know, things would happen in the camp. They would lose a battle there. But never since Egypt had the people of God been taken captive. Never. So they sit in there going, This is different. This feels different. Because now all of a sudden, to them, to many of them, it feels like God has well and truly abandoned them. They have found themselves in a situation they never imagined they would. And what ends up happening is that you get some well-meaning prophets. Prophets like Hananiah, if you look at Jeremiah 28. Prophets like Hananiah, other prophets who live amongst the camp. Many of them, in good stead, they're trying to encourage the people of God, which can often happen. They tell them, hey, it won't be a short, it won't be a short captivity. It won't be a short exile. You won't be in that season too long. I mean, we've all had preachers who've got up on platforms and say like this and gone, your, 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 your season of hardship, your season of trial, your season of pain, your wilderness season is coming to an end. The Lord says that your season of hardship will end tomorrow. But the reality is, it is foolish to declare a word that God has not yet spoken. And what, they, what these prophets who were well-meaning were doing was trying to encourage the believers. But really the job of a prophet, the job of the people of God is to declare not our thoughts, but his thoughts. What they didn't know was actually, though they were captured by Nebuchadnezzar, though they were sent to Babylon in chains as slaves, God was in it. And you're sitting there going, wait a minute, you mean God is, God can sometimes orchestrate my captivity? God can sometimes orchestrate my wilderness seasons? No one likes the wilderness. No one yearns for the wilderness. No one prays. Lord, send me to the wilderness. Lord, send me to exile. And oftentimes we shy away from preaching scriptures like this as preachers because it doesn't sound great. You're trying to tell me that the that this, this season sometimes that I find myself in, there are some wilderness seasons, there are some exile seasons that God has carried me into? Well, yes, my friends, but that's largely because we have failed to grasp the understanding and the power found in wilderness seasons. Because if you look at this idea of wilderness, this word wilderness is this word. Uh, it's this word uh, called ba midba Ba in Midbah in the wilderness. Ba Midbah, that word in the wilderness. When you break it down to its root core, is this? It is the word place. It is the place of the word. God carried His people into the wilderness, into exile. Why? Because He had a word for them. He had a word that would turn their hearts. God carried His people into a wilderness season. And I want to encourage some people here. There are some of you who are praying away seasons, praying away trials, praying away hardships that the Lord has carried you into because there is a word for you in your wilderness. There is a word for you in that trial. And my God, if God has carried you there, then the same God who carried you there is the same God who sustained you in there. And the same God, because here's the power of the Word of God. In fact, uh, let me show you something. It, it, when, they go to, when they go to Babylon, the believers in Jerusalem begin to believe that God has forsaken them. They begin to believe that God is no longer near them. They believe that God has now, he can no longer be found. And what I love so much is that God loved his people so much. He goes to Jerusalem and he finds a prophet, Jeremiah, and says to them, write a letter to my people. I need them to know this. And this is where we pick up Jeremiah chapter 29 verse 4. God says this, I have a word for my people and you know before we even get to the scripture I was even thinking about that our whole idea of the wilderness and there's a word for it this is the word that God had for his people that would sustain them the power of the word of God anyway I'm, I'm not going to go there I was it a rabbit trail I'm not doing it today lungs let's get to the verse Jeremiah 29 verse 4 God is so passionate about his people knowing his heart for them and where he's at in the middle of their wilderness and says this this is what the Lord Almighty the God of Israel says to all those carried into exile from Jerusalem to Babylon, build houses and settle down. Wait a minute. Whoa, 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 whoa. I'm not trying to stay here longer than I anticipated. I'm not trying to stay here longer than I... You, you know what I'm talking about. You find yourself in a situation and again... The reality is if you live any amount of time as a believer, you will find yourself in situations. You'll find yourself in circumstances. You'll find yourself walking through seasons that you do not want to be in. And the last thing you want to hear is for the prophet of the Lord to come and tell you, says, get comfy. It's going to be a while. (laughs) You're like, wait a minute. Pause. (laughs) Find me Hananiah. Find me the prophet who told me that God will deliver you tomorrow, that God will bring you breakthrough tomorrow. But God said, Jeremiah, go tell them that those prophets are foolish. Here's what I, build yourself a house. (laughs) Look at it. Build your homes and settle down. Plant gardens and eat what they produce. You think through this, that concept. To plant gardens and eat what they produce isn't a weak situation. It isn't even a two-month situation. If you know anything about farmers, I need a towel. I'm sweating like a criminal in court up here. Get me a towel. I'm burning up. (laughs) Um you know what I'm saying like we're, we're not talking about months if you plant seed it's not producing fruit for at least a couple months and at the very least he's talking about multiple seasons of harvest he goes this he goes marry and have sons thank you so much Lon Bon. Lord this is one of those things that don't actually dry you <laughs> I swear. no no that stinks before you all arrived this morning they turned the AC on and it's I think there's a dead animal up there because my lord the whole hotel done stunk I don't know if you felt it but anyway let's get back to the word stay focused I might have to get checked out for ADD I think I have a problem I have a problem I have a problem I have a problem but let me tell you something look at this marry and have sons wait a minute now that doesn't happen quick so sure you think okay okay build homes okay maybe it's like a, maybe it's like a year thing maybe maybe it's like a maybe 18 max 18 months now he's like no, no no marry and have sons and daughters also find wives for your sons and give your daughters in marriage so now we're not just talking one generation we're out here talking generations. Whoa, 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 whoa. I didn't sign up for this. <laughs> That's not what I signed up for. I can think through my life if this is the word I received. You know, 2017 was one of the hardest, hardest years of our lives personally. Uh, not for her, definitely for me. I was in a dark, dark, dark place. 2017, and, I'm, and I had got a word like this where God said, get comfy, son. You're going to be here a while. <laughs> I would have called it quits. I said, find me a different God. You know what I mean? It's like, this is... But but there's something in here. I want to finish this, but there's something in here. He goes, it says, increase in number there. Do not decrease. And the other version says this, do not dwindle away. Do not dwindle away. Also, seek the peace and prosperity of the city to which I've carried you into exile. And I want you to look at the language there. To which I have carried you. He goes, remind them, let them know. You may, it may appear. That Nebuchadnezzar conquered you. It may appear like the enemy has got the better of you. It may appear like you have been defeated. It may appear like this is the work of the enemy. But I want to remind you that I carried you into exile. And what that does is it reminds me, hold on, if the Lord has carried me here, then the Lord will sustain me here. If the Lord has carried me here, then He shall give me a hedge of protection here. If the Lord has carried me here, then I shall flourish here. Because as long as the Lord is with me, as long as the Lord goes with me, as long as the Lord has gone before me, as long as the Lord is the author of where I'm at in this season, I'm exactly where I'm meant to be right here, right now. And I'm going to lean into the Word He has for me because the Word of the Lord sustains you. The Word of the Lord is what gives you faith. The Word of the Lord is what gives you direction and guidance for your life. There is a reason God has got us here. And He goes, seek the peace and prosperity of the city which I have carried you into exile. Pray to the Lord for it. It's bad enough to ask me to stay here. Is bad enough to ask me to get comfy here. But now you're asking me to pray for it. You're asking me to bless it. You're asking me to believe for God's very best over it. The place that it has bond, that I'm in bondage, the place where we are now enslaved. And it goes on, and says, pray for it because it, if it prospers, you too will prosper. You know, and I was reading that passage and I, at, I stopped there and I thought to myself, I take umbrage to that. <laughs> I'm not okay with that, Lord. But as I was saying that, God God said to me, just picture it. Close your eyes and imagine the scenario as the people of God who up until this word from Jeremiah would have been in panic. You think through when you're enslaved. You think through when you find yourself in a season you don't want to be in. You think through when you find yourself in a trial or a hardship. You will do everything you can to get out of it. You'll be fasting. You'll be praying. You'll be talking to friends. You'll be crying out to God. You'll be finding any way of escape to get out of where you are and that's the picture we find until this word arrives and they hear that God is in it that God would send word to them that what what they would what would happen in their minds as they receive this word from Jeremiah first and foremost they'd have realized God has not abandoned us as long as I have breath in my lungs and as long as God would send a word to me it means that God is not distant or not far That was the first encouragement. But the big picture reality, when I read this particular verse, it made me realize, it reminded me of Psalm 23, verse 5 and 6. What does it say? Let's put it up on the screens if if it's lonely. I don't know. It says that Psalm 23, verse 5, it says, You prepare, oh my Lord. You, oh, you see where I'm going with this? You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil and my cup overflows. Surely, Lord, surely, surely, surely your goodness and your love will follow me all the days of my life and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. When I read this scripture, when God sends Jeremiah to tell them, go tell my people to get comfy. Go tell my people to build houses. Go tell my people to, 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 to multiply and have children to find wives. Tell my people to, to sow and to reap from the land. What God is saying is that you will prosper in a land that is not your own. You will, you will Though you are strangers in a foreign land, though you are captive. In in a foreign land, you will still prosper. Your couple overflows because as long as I go with you, my love and my goodness and my mercy goes with you all the days of your life and I'm that God. I'm the God who right now is preparing a table for you in the presence of your enemies. I want to encourage somebody this morning that though you might feel surrounded, that though you might feel like you have never been further from God, that though you may feel like you are constantly under the attack of the enemy, though you feel like you can't see light anywhere at the end of the tunnel, Though you feel like everywhere you look, you are surrounded by the enemies of God? Let me tell you something. The God that we serve is powerful enough to prepare a table for you in the presence of your enemies. He says, get comfy because no harm will come upon you. No disease will come upon your family. And I want you to close your eyes and picture this. The people of God in a foreign land, who in, in a foreign place as strangers, are literally could be crying out, could be wanting to flee, but are sitting there comfy because they have the security of knowing that my God, God has prepared a table for me right here in the presence of my enemies. I may look surrounded, but Lord, I realize I'm surrounded by you. Remember that song? It may look like I'm surrounded, but I'm surrounded by you. My God, that song is powerful. And it's not just a great song. It's scripture. God is telling them this truth that any season you find yourself in, I am faithful. I am a good God. If I am good at any time in your life, then I am good now and all times in your life. If the word of God is true one time, in your life, then the Word of God will remain true in every season, in every circumstance, in every trial, in every barrenness, in every difficulty, in every pain, in every hardship, in every exile, in every wilderness. I wanted to encourage you this morning that whether or not you find yourself in a wilderness season right now because of your own failures, because of your own mistakes, or you simply find it because the enemy has put you there, because again, we live in a broken and fallen world, we sometimes are, uh, we sometimes are literally collateral damage of a broken world. But here's the truth, the promises we find in this passage in Jeremiah 29, transcend just the reality of those who are in exile. It is a picture of the promises of God for all people through all generations that I go with you and I am powerful enough. I am all glorious enough. I am supreme enough that I can prepare a table for you in the presence of your enemies. You can be, we are the people of God. And it means that in every place we find ourselves, in every hardship we walk through, in every valley we may trespass through that you can believe wholeheartedly that as long as we remain the people of God that God can keep us from harm and God will bring us through and even if it takes 10 years even if it takes 30 years even if it takes 50 years the reality is the promise of God reminds me this that no amount of time is a determining factor of God's presence and power at work in my life God can move in power even in a wrong and and terrible job environment God can move in power even if you grew up in a bad family God can still move in power even if you grew up in a wrong zip code God can move in power even if you grew up in a single parent home God can move in power even if you find yourself in debt God can move in power even if you're still things you're still missing in your life there is no season in your life there is no valley you'll walk through where God's power will not be seen and felt this is the promise of Jeremiah 29 he says to them I've got you I've got you I know some, some of the stories of the people in this room. Some of them aren't here and I pray they watch online. But I know some of the stories in this room. Some of you have found yourselves in situations that you didn't plan for, that you didn't pray for, that you didn't ask for, that when you closed your eyes as a teenager or when you first met the Lord, you would have not drawn out your life to look like this. But I wanted to encourage you this morning that whether or not life has panned out the way you thought it would, all you need in this life is faith in Christ. This is why, I'm gonna do a teaching on this sometime. Your faith cannot be built on outcomes faith cannot be determined by outcome faith is not an outcome faith is a person and that's why for me I, don't, I have stopped worrying about the outcomes because here's the truth the Bible tells us we sow seed and one person waters but who brings the increase? the Lord brings the increase we have fallen into the trap of believing that we are responsible for the results that we are responsible for the outcomes well Lord I, I did this and I did this so I should get this and God's trying to remind us sometimes that you aren't responsible for the outcomes you are simply responsible to be You are just simply responsible to maintain your faith. And this is why it is crucial for us as the people of God to never build our faith on outcomes, to never build our faith on results, to never build our faith on fruit, because fruit is fleeting and outcomes are ever-changing. But one who is not, He is Jesus, and He is who our faith should be built on, surrounded by, anchored in, and who we live our lives for and with and in because as long as my faith is in a person and it's the person of Jesus, then by God, I can find myself anywhere and I can flourish. That's the promise of God for you today. That even if it's not what you want, as long as He's with you, you have everything you need. Let's continue with the passage because I'm only in verse 8 and we're going to verse 14. Yes, this is what the Lord Almighty, the God of Israel says, do not let the prophets and diviners among you deceive you. Do not listen to the dreams that you encourage them to have. They are prophesying lies to you in my name. I have not sent them, declares the Lord. This is what the Lord says. When 70 years, I want to hear that, 70 years. That's how long this wilderness was. It was 70 years. Do you have the faith to endure for not one generation? but two generations. Do you have the faith to endure? Not just for one year, but 70 years. And I'm convinced that the Israelite people were able to endure for seven decades because they didn't build their faith and they didn't build their hope on the outcome, but they built their faith and hope on the person of God who dwelt among them. As long as God is with me, I can hang out here all day. I could be here all day let's keep reading. It says this, for 70 years, when 70 years are completed for Babylon, I will come to you and fulfill my good promise to bring you back to this place, which is home. Other, other versions say this, I will come to you and fulfill my good word to you. The promises and the word of God are the anchor point for us as believers. Nothing less nothing more and he says this the passage we all know for I know the plans I have for you I mentioned this earlier but some versions said this for I know the thoughts that I think toward you I wanted to labor on that because when I read it in that version for I know the thoughts that I think toward you says the Lord I stopped and thought it is very different than somebody who's just thinking about you it, it, it reads different. It's a different it's a different perspective. It's a different theological framework if God says, I am thinking about you. Because hey, you know, you know those people, you go through a hard time. Hey, I'm thinking about you. Thank you, but that does nothing for me. No, 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 no. It's nice. It's a nice sentiment. It may soothe a little bit, my comfort. Oh, thank you. Someone's thinking about me. But that's not what God's saying here he's not saying I have been thinking about you no 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 he's saying I have thoughts toward you it's active God is moving God is doing something And that's why I believe sometimes as as scholars over the centuries have adapted new versions, they moved away from thoughts towards you to giving it more clarity to going, I know the plans I have for you. Because now all of a sudden, it's not just a thought. God is always up to something. God is always, oh my God, God is always working, D.J. This tells me that God is always working it may take longer than you think, it may, it may be longer than you anticipate, but as long as we remain the people of God who faith are in Him, we can hold and rest assured that God is always up to something. And here's the reality, what many didn't know at the time and what God has promised and He is going, I have thoughts towards you and here's the thoughts that God had. He will get to it, but at the same time that this word is coming, God is setting up four little Hebrew boys, Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego. We know the story of Daniel and the lions' den. We know the three Hebrew boys, Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach. This is in the same era. This was happening at the same time. At the same time that these cats are receiving this promise, God is already working. God is already shaping. God is already raising up Daniel, who would then serve Nebuchadnezzar and get to the point where Nebuchadnezzar, the king of Babylon, would declare, I have now seen that the God of the Hebrews is the one true God. That while I was sitting thinking that God had forgotten me, while I was sitting thinking that God had abandoned me, let me remind you that God has thoughts towards you, that God has plans for you. You don't see him, you don't feel him, but all the while you are struggling here, you have no idea that my God is working in the shadows and he is building up leaders, he is building up prophets, he's building up churches like Sozo City to become a blessing to you, to bring you freedom in the land, to bring you life in the land, that you would be the person whose cup would overflow in a foreign place. This is my God. He's never not working. We read it like this, sometimes we read it, nothing is impossible for God. I like to say it like this, it is impossible for God to do nothing because His thoughts are constantly towards you. Listen to what David says about the thoughts of the Lord. Psalm chapter 40. I think it's verse 5. I think I might have sent this to you. Might not. He says this. Your thoughts. Oh my Lord. Is it coming? Psalm 40. Psalm chapter 40. He says your thoughts toward me O Lord. They are too wonderful for me. Your thoughts. When I think on the thoughts of the Lord toward me. I think of them and they outnumber the sand on the seashore. My Lord I want to find it. I, I need to find it. I need to read it right. This is Psalm 40. Psalm 40. Psalm 40. Psalm chapter 40. Didn't I give this, Didn't I thought I thought would get out? Oh, here it is. Thank God I know where my Bible is. It's I think it's it's, it's Psalm 40, chapter 5. Uh, here it is. Um, um I don't know. Where is it? Come on, come on, come on, come lift me. Like, let let's go, let's go, let's go. There's so much I want to say today. Is it up? Uh, Psalm 40, Psalm 40. I need to figure out where exactly 40 is. I can't remember. Your thoughts, the thoughts of the Lord toward me. Uh, you know what? While you find it in Psalm 40, it also says the same thing in Psalm 139. Here's the good thing about the Bible, that if God says it somewhere once, it's probably everywhere else in the Bible. Let's go to Psalm 139 in the meantime. There it is, Psalm 139. How, pre- oh, how precious to me are your thoughts, oh God. How vast is the sum of them. The psalmist knew here, he got a revelation that when God thinks on me, it is, it is, it is a constant Ongoing, from everlasting to everlasting thoughts. Your thoughts are vast. If I were to count them, they would outnumber the grains of sand. When I awake, I am still with you. My Lord, that is how great and numerous God's thoughts and plans are for you. That they they outnumber the grains of sand on the seashore. Have you ever considered just how many grains of sand are on the seashore? I don't have time to even go there. But let me tell you something. That's how many thoughts our God has toward you. I want to find that Psalm 40 because David says it's so nice. Where's my phone at? I can't. It's to, we know, I don't have time. We'll come back to it. But he, this is this is that, that that's what that's the picture. For I know the thoughts that I think toward you. He is saying to them and reminding them that I am moving, that I am working, because God used Daniel. as as an aid to Nebuchadnezzar but he also used those three Hebrew boys Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego as as they stood in the fiery furnace and Jesus shut up the fourth man in the flame Nebuchadnezzar stood in awe and wonder and began to declare that truly the God of Israel the God of the Hebrews is the God of all he is the most powerful and the one true God and this is what the enemies who surround you will constantly declare that they will try and take you out that they would try and diminish you. But I'm so grateful that our God is always working. And ultimately, the Bible reminds us that there, there will come a day where every knee shall bow and every tongue confess that He is Lord. That's the God that you serve, Larissa. That eventually, those enemies who surround you, whose plans will not prosper, by the way, they too will get to a point where they will kneel and declare that God is, that Jesus is Lord. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. They are plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you a hope and a future. They are plans to give you and to bring you to an expected end. What is the expected end? We read it in, passage, in the passage and it sounds good to give you a hope in the future. Well, what is that hope in the future? What does that look like? Because you, you go, well, what? well, for many of these, you think of Daniel. Daniel, when he when Daniel was taken to exile along with the rest of the tribe of Judah, he was about 17 years old. Think on that. Daniel was 17 years old when he and his family were taken captive. And if, if the biblical account is true, and it is, that the exile lasted 70 years, it means Daniel was 87 years old when exile ended. And you're sitting there going, how could Daniel believe? if his entire existence was lived in exile how could those three Hebrew boys believe for what was the expected end because it seems at the end of their lives ended in exile in Babylon but here's the beauty of the power of the word we now know in hindsight because we know Jesus the expected end was the promise of salvation and redemption that no matter what your life on this side of eternity looks like your expected end as the believers of God is redemption is redemption and salvation and eternity in the presence and the power of God so this is why you know I was reading I need I need to find my phone I have I have it somewhere I I didn't get a chance to write it down here I don't know where it is Lord help me find it give me wisdom I used it to to, it might be somewhere in the back there someone so oh it's on the it's on the sound desk it's on my phone I need my phone because I was reading I was when I was reading some stories about um what happened what happened I'm an athlete I was reading this story, and uh, this pastor was talking about this idea of an expected end. He says, This he was reading, he's talking about, about his own church. He says, This although I have visited a large number of dying believers, I have never yet visited a member of this church who has expressed the least fear in his dying moments or the slightest dismay in the hours of his departure. And it makes me feel happy to see how the brethren and sisters die because they pass away as if they were going to a wedding rather than to a tomb. As if it were the most joyful thing that has ever happened to them to have reached their expected end. Doubts are all driven away when you see how believers die because grace is given to them so that they they may surmount the weakness of the hour. The Lord Jesus in them triumphs over pain and death as they see him face to face this is the expected end I want us to capture and run with as the people of God that even if this trial that even if this hardship that even if this wilderness and even if this exile ends in I shall see him face to face. That is the expected end. That death does not have the final say. My enemies do not have the final word. And who does that sound like? It sounds like those three Hebrew boys as they stood in the fiery furnace and they said to Nebuchadnezzar, we believe our God is powerful enough to deliver us from this fiery furnace but even if he doesn't we will still yet praise him because we know they didn't know what they were saying back then but Paul gives us insight in the New Testament they were pretty much saying what Paul tells us that to live is unto Christ but to die is gain That is the expected end for us believers. And I don't know what it is that you are fighting through today. I don't know what torments you today. I don't know what keeps you awake at night today. I don't know what challenge beseeches you today. But let me tell you right now that our God's plans for you are to bring you to an expected end. Whether in this life or in the life to come. Because as the people of God. We are always victorious in Jesus' name. Does anybody believe that? Can you shout amen? And here's the mistake we often make. We stop there. People quote Jeremiah 29 verse 11 as if that's the best part. It gets better. Have you ever considered to venture beyond verse 11 to verse 12? May I read you verse 12? May we endeavor to dive to verse 12 together. It says this. Then, oh, it's so good. It's so good. Because he's telling us that then, while you are waiting for your expected end, I don't leave you high and dry. He says, then when you call on me and you come and pray to me, I will listen to you. Now, you and me, this is the problem when we don't take time to study. This is the problem when we just read Scripture through our lens and our lens alone. This doesn't sound that great to us right now because you're going, well, I can cry out to God right now anyway. I can, if, if I needed to, I, I could call in His name right now and He'd hear me because we know the New Testament. We know Jesus. We know. But for these Hebrew believers, if you know a little bit about how in the Old Testament, this is why. It is so important to read the Old Testament. I know the New Covenant's good. I know the New Testament's great. There's so many good promises. There's so many encouragements. But my friends, the New Testament finds its beauty the new testament finds its power the new testament finds its glory in the presence of the old you cannot have one without the other you can't have a new covenant had there not been the existence of an old covenant the new covenant which God brings is better but it's it's only better and it's only glorious if you know what it replaced in the old testament in the old covenant the only way the people of God could converse with the Lord, the only way the people of God could be sure that God had heard their prayer was if they went to the priest who then went to the temple. But now if you think on that, where are they right now? They are thousands of miles away in Babylon. They are nowhere near the temple. They are nowhere near the priest. So they are sitting there going, we have no way of conversing with our God. We have no way of knowing that He can hear us. We have no way of knowing. And this is why it was so dire for them until Jeremiah's word comes. Because until Jeremiah's word comes, they truly believed they had been abandoned. They truly believed that there was no way to converse with God. Because the only way they had been taught you could talk to God was through the priest in the temple. But watch how much God loves his people, that he breaks protocol, that he changes the order, and he gives us a glimpse of what is to come for you and me. And he says this, Oh, let me tell you something. If you call on me, you, the individual, Brittany, you don't have to wait to get to church on Sunday and intercede and I intercede for you on your behalf to God. You don't have to wait, Miss Valerie, for me to pray for you, for God to hear your cry. You don't have to wait, Don and Holly, before you get into this environment for God to hear you. He is telling them like He tells us today that anywhere you find yourself in this exile, if you would call on me and come to me and pray to me, I will hear you. And this is so important because God is telling them that I am the God who loves you, and I want you to know that I have never left you, and I am closer than your next breath. God made sure to put this in the prophecy because He wanted to remind His people and he wanted to assure His people that you, oh, I wrote it somewhere. Oh my God, let me see if I can find it. Oh Lord, help me find it. Help me find it, Jesus. Help me find it. Oh, yes, yes, yes. God makes sure. God makes sure to put this in Jeremiah so that his people would not suffer under the dark sense that God could not be found. Hallelujah. That's how much he loves you. He will go, he will, he will go wherever he needs to go and he will go to, he will spend no expense including the life of his own son Jesus just so you and I can know that he is with you and he can He did not want you or his people at any time through history to ever believe that God could not be found. When you call on me, I will listen. And he goes on to say this, even better. When you seek me, you you will seek me and find me. When you seek me with all your heart, I will be found by you says the Lord I will be found by you declares the Lord and I will bring you back from captivity this is the God that we serve he loves you too much he loves us so much that he broke custom and broke protocol just so you would know What does that mean for us as the people of God? That as long as God can be found, then he will bring an expected end. This is what I came to preach to you this morning. And I finished on time. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Anything is possible. Anything is possible. I wanted to remind. It didn't bring you this far to abandon you now. And I know that to be true, not just because the Bible tells me so, but because I've lived it. I moved from South Africa to Australia to start Bible college. And within three weeks of getting there, I got news that my mom had passed away. A dark, dark time. I flew back and bear in mind, I had felt cold. I had left my career as an accountant and I felt God call me into ministry. that call led me to Bible college, which is, there were so many miraculous things. Because if you think, if you know anything about the visa system in Australia, they are so strict. And generally, it takes 12 to 24 months to get a visa approval from an African country to get to Australia. But because my God called, the same God who calls is the same God who provides and makes a way. I applied for my visa in August and by January, and in fact, let me tell you something. I had so much faith, and this is the truth. My faith is in the Word of God. I booked, a, I booked my plane ticket for January 10th, knowing I had only applied for the visa in August, only four months prior. And they tell you it takes 24 months, but I said, if God had called me, then God will make a way. We sang it today. Oh my God! Anything? how does that work? That verse Because "Just let the way, come, just let the waymaker through, just let the waymaker through, because it's gonna happen." And I've lived my life that way. If, if God had called you, just get out the way and let the way make it through because it's gonna happen. And, and I booked my flight in faith, January 10th. January 10th, I had, to, I had a flight from Durban on the east coast of South Africa to Johannesburg. I got on that flight to catch my international flight from Johannesburg to Sydney without a visa. I got on that domestic flight. I landed in Johannesburg. I had three hours before I was meant to board that flight. And I got a call an hour before that flight took off that your visa has been approved. And I got on that plane. What should have taken 24 months, God didn't fall. Because if God calls, He provides and He makes a way. And God calls you not just to an active, He calls you His children. And if God has called you His children, then you are the people of God. And He will make sure that the people of God in every season, in every way, will always I got there and within a month mama passed away so I get back in a plane we do the funeral proceeding and it's been three weeks there seeking the Lord and figuring out what to do and everyone is telling me you can't go back there you don't know anybody out there and I was I was only 20 20 at the time 20 I think it's 20 20 at the time I did not know anybody there I'd only been there three weeks everyone's like you can't go back you have no support system there you have no friends over there you have no one who can walk the journey with you there you have not established yourself over there but my God because I know who he is and because I know if he called me then I will find everything I need and sometimes we are so desperate looking for the tangible things that God provides but let me tell you something God will also provide for your every need And I remember getting back on the plane, heading back to Sydney, knowing that, yeah, I don't have a support system, but I have him. Yeah, I don't have any friends or stuff, but I have him. And as long as I have him, then I have everything I need because he prepares a table for me in the presence of my enemies. What the devil tried to use to take me out became the thing, the very thing God used to catapult me into the promises and plans that he has for me. So I tell you all this to say this, regardless of what it looks like now, as long as you are called the people of God, God is always working. His thoughts are toward you, and he prepares a table for you in the presence of enemies, and he will bring you to an expected end. In Jesus' name, amen.